Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am your host, Mark Ellis. Jacqueline Coley out somewhere in the world on assignment. Perhaps she's covering the Cannes Film Festival, or maybe she found the AllSpark for the Autobots. That's a reference to last week's episode where we covered Transformers Revenge of the Fallen with two wonderful guests so wonderful. We invited them back here for the following week. Danny Fernandez and Mark Bernard, and you're both great writers, great podcasters. Danny, you're a great actor. Uh, you guys do all the things all the time, including currently uh, out there on the picket lines supporting the WGA. So welcome back to the show. How are things going out there in the world? Uh, my tan's getting great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my hair does change color. I want people to know. And I have natural highlights from it being From the sun. sun? I actually have been very protective. I don't know if enough white people out there are protecting their skin as much as they On should. On behalf be. of all white people, and again, I was just in Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. We are not. No. We're just walking around there like pink salmon. <laughs> like we just like we're just so dumb that and and it's me leading the charge because what I'll do is I'll take a little bit of sunscreen and then I'll I have like my my what I know my problem spots are. So white people usually forget about the earlobes, but first thing first thing I'm coding with the sunscreen is I go earlobes, I'll go uh, all over my face, and then I always have like a random clavicle that I forget <laughs> that turns pink, and then the back of the neck is another one that's like, that's a prime spot. So basically what the science is telling us now is if you are a lighter person, you just need to walk outside and have sunscreen all over your body at all times. Oh, at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, And if you were a darker person, it couldn't hurt. Like, yeah. I, I, I have been recommending to mm -hmm. the people of color that I see. It's like, hey, don't forget it. Like, don't forget it? I know we've often forgot it, myself included, <laughs> but if we're going to be out there every day for four mm -hmm. hours a day in the sun in Southern California, like, let's take care of ourselves. True. Yeah, this, this was where I was at in Mexico. The lifeguards uh, who worked there, they had like full body suits that they wore because they're out there in the sun every day. And so uh, they got to be super hot, but it's literally like a wetsuit as opposed to like the lifeguards at the pool where I was growing up, where it's just a like a skimpy bikini or just like some board shorts and this twirl on the whistle. Like, no, they're head to toe covered. It's not Baywatch. The sun. It's not Baywatch. No. It's not even the Kings Mill pool back no. in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's just uh, Ziegfeld Follies. Different just <laughs> just <laughs> full suit. And you know something about the sun because you grew up in Texas primarily, right? Yeah. But I mean, also my family is also from Southern California as well. So I've always been, always been in the sun. 
Never not been in the sun. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I love the sun. I love vitamin D. Lord knows Molly the Wonder Dog loves it. Yeah. I think the dog is like solar powered because no, she- No, they know she, they need vitamin D. Right, right. But she'll wake up. Now she wakes up at like 1130 noon and- uh, she, she literally is 16. She's she a 16 year old. She sleeps in and then you get her, you get, you get her going. She's kind of like a diesel engine, takes a minute to warm her up. And then she just, <laughs> once she gets in the sun, she's just like, ah, she's bathing in it. But she's absorbing the power of the sun, much like what the Decepticons were trying to harvest in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, wow. which is Oscar nominated as Danny wanted to point <laughs> out. And then by nighttime, my Molly's just running all over the place because she's got all that solar energy inside of her. I can't believe that you tra- you did that transition. Back <laughs> <to> <laughs> deep, I will deep keep coming back, back to Transformers Friends of the Fallen because as of tomorrow, Rise of the Beast is out in theaters. And Mark, as you brought up on the show last week, like every one of these Transformers trailers just looks so awesome. It's like they finally got it turned around. Bumblebee did actually turn it around. Mm-hmm. 91% on the tomato meter. So hopefully Rise of the Beast. Um, and just to get your clear-cut opinion on this, Danny, do we think Rise of the Beast has what it takes to be the second fresh Transformers movie? In the Ooh, I gotta go. I know Mark brought up that it has Anthony Ramos. I think he's so beloved. It's gonna be hard to not love this film. And he's such a more grounded kind of lead character than what Shia LaBeouf was. And like part of that was just the the Michael Bay direction. But and and in Revenge of the Fallen, when he's doing all the beautiful mind stuff, he's just he's so manic all the time, which I think worked for like his character in Disturbia early on in his career, stuff like that. But yeah, Anthony Ramos is just like a guy everybody can root for. Mm-hmm. And what like what Haley Steinfeld was in Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm excited about this movie. The more I start thinking about the trailer, I'm like, yeah, we could get a really good film. But trailers have lied to us before, particularly in this franchise. That's their job. <laughs> <laughs> to, to convince you of a thing that may or may not be true. <laughs> well, I mean, for you, I mean, I know you guys are big, are big cinephiles, but you also have uh, busy schedules uh, mm-hmm. with your various things. And now you add a strike to the whole thing. So you don't have a lot of time just to get out there and see a flick. Is there a movie that you circled on your calendar coming out later this summer that you say, I need to be there opening night? Uh, Yeah, yeah. The minute I saw the first trailer for this movie, I was in the back. The minute I knew this movie was coming, I was in the back. Um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Okay. Is my jam. Because Tom Cruise is the closest we have to Jackie Chan. In that, Mm. here's a man who will probably kill himself for my $15. <laughs> Put his life on the he line. He will throw himself off a thing. He will jump off a thing. He will run for as far as a man has ever run before. Yes, he will. All for my the price of admission. And I appreciate that dedication to earning my money. I think our, our expert researcher, Mark Hoffmeyer, I want to say that he clocked all of the times that, that Tom Cruise ran. Or, or th- this might have been from another article. I, I want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. Uh, I think Tom Cruise's total on-screen running has cleared like six miles. Like in all of his movies, put them together. I think he's done over over six miles. I mean, in in Mission Impossible three, they tell him how far he's got to run. Yeah. Like that's that's the first really great one. It's like, oh, it's 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 Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Like, Look at the map. He's got to run like a mile and a half to get there. And he's like, all right, whoosh, and then off the hands go, and he's pumping, and it's a solid cut of just watching mm-hmm. him run in Shanghai across. Like, yeah. All of that, all the time. Yeah. And that became like the fetish of these movies. It's like, make him run. <laughs> make him run. Make, make him, him do crazy more. stunts. Uh, Dead Reckoning on your list, Danny, of must-see theater? I feel theater? that he has more certifications than any other actor. Because he can, like, fly. He has... <laughs> no, I mean, like, I mean, right. like pilot. I, I think he does mm-hmm. have... He has so many. He got some for Top Gun, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. like... 
I'm sure the Days of Thunder got him some like he can like drive a stuff. Tr- yeah truck and like a motorcycle and uh, you have to have different certifications and licenses for those. Sure. Well, I know he wanted to go even farther with Top Gun Maverick because like he was flying. I think he, he was flying like a Hornet or like an F-14. I want to say um, the the plane in the movie is an F-18. That's the character in the movie. But he, ev- I think they like repeatedly <laughs> applied to the Navy. Whoever's in charge of the Navy, <laughs> Tom Cruise kept lobbying like, "Hey, can I please, please, please fly an F-18?" And they're like, "Dude, we're." Not letting you fly an no. F-18. Do you know how he would get it? He should just join. <laughs> they, no, I'm serious. What else does he have? That's his final task in life. He could just join the Navy and then he could get, he could work his way up the ladder there. I know. I, I, that would be such a great, if we could film that, if we could make that documentary <laughs> I mean, series. I 100% believe he would do that. Yes. Like, if you so pitch that to him, it's like, listen, man. You're too old for this. I know you don't want to hear it. You're like 68 years old. Nobody's going to insure you to do this. The only thing left for you to do is to ju- is enlist. Mm-hmm. Be the oldest rookie. In the I baby. hope his eyes are good. Got to have good eyes. Good you want to be a pilot. True. There used to be a show on Discovery Channel, and it was like Bud's training, which is the, what the Navy SEALs go through. Mm-hmm. And it was just so compelling because of the incredible athleticism, like the grueling things that they have to perform and pull off in order to become a Navy SEAL. And the way that you quit, there's like a, an actual way that you quit buds training because so many people wash out is you take your helmet and you wake up in the morning and when you're done, you take your helmet and you just put it next to the previous helmet and you just go back to wherever you were going to be doing in the Navy because it's that damn tough. And wow. from the first episode to the last episode every season, it's like no helmets and a slew of helmets just because it is so damn tough. Tom Cruise, maybe that one guy that could pull it off. Yeah. 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 All right. So Mission Impossible, maybe not the highest on Danny's uh, movie watching counter this summer. What is the movie that you said, oh, I got to see this? I'm really excited for The Blackening. So I know Dwayne (laughs) Perkins, uh, Mm -hmm. who's in it. That also is premiering, or maybe by the time this came out, premiered at TIFF. Um, Indie that I believe got picked up by Lionsgate. So I'm really excited. All black cast. And I think they're on the poster. It says we can't all die first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so excited. One horror, you know, is my jam. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great way. Both of our short films Mm -hmm. are horror thrillers. Oh yeah, you guys have have short films. I wanted to mention too. Mm -hmm. Danny, yours is in the static, Mm -hmm. and it's premiering at Uh, Mm Waleef. It might have already premiered as of this. Right. Yes. And uh, Mark, your short is called Splinter. And I think if this is mid June, then I will be on my way to the Chattanooga film festival cool. yeah. in Tennessee, which is apparently phenomenal. Like, I've heard nothing but good things, because at first I got like, Chattanooga? Okay. My producer's like, you have to submit to Chattanooga. <laughs> and uh, I'm super excited to go. And you were at Overlook, I was which at is Overlook, a horror festival Which as is well. a horror film festival. Um, we played the, uh, the, the Pan-African Film Festival. We will be showing it at Comic-Con this year. That's amazing. Very exciting. Ooh, what day at Comic-Con? Uh, probably Thursday, it's looking. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so great. exciting. Good, good for you. Yeah, so I love horror. I love POC made horror films as well. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm really, I'm really excited. And Tim Story directed from the barbershop. Yes, yeah. Uh, what, right. were, what were y'all's like horror influences growing up? Because you're, you, I know that even before you were horror filmmakers, you had like th- this love of the genre. So, Danny, when you're growing up, you you got San Diego, Texas. We already mentioned you grew up in these nice, sunshiny states. What was it about like the horror genre that spoke to you? And what horror properties, shows, 
movies, novels, were you like, horror, oh, this is what I well, love? Well, honestly, horror loves Texas. Obviously, there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Horror loves and Texas. It does. And then, you have stuff like, and then you have stuff like The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. which is my family would yeah. go on road trips. And you're in those, those areas where there's like nobody – you know, out there where it's just kind of you at, at any moment you could be taken advantage of. Nobody that you can see. Nobody that you can see. <laughs> Definitely stopped at gas stations that were that were similar to that. We don't get many visitors this way no <laughs> exactly. more. Exactly. Yes. You kids and going camping? There's many areas that are still like that. Um, I will. I loved Halloween. Will always love Halloween. I mm-hmm. uh, just have so much respect for for the original Halloween. Love that. I know Mark and I also grew up on the Twilight Zone. Very much heavy so. influence. And as much as that is sci-fi, it also is a, a try not to cuss here. A ton of horror um, <laughs> in it with episodes like The Masks. Um, Frightening accuracy in uh, the Twilight Zone too, foretelling yeah. and uh, ahead of its time in many ways. Such a progressive show that I don't think a lot of people gave it credit for because they just thought they were watching sci-fi horror. God, so and good. there's a whole lot of social commentary Rod Serling mm-hmm. had in there too. Yeah, with the real Martian, please stand up. It's yeah. all about mm-hmm. sort of McCarthyism, mm-hmm. and you know, Eye of the Beholder is just. Frightening, frightening. You know, global warming, climate change, all of that stuff is in there. It's mm-hmm. so good. Every time we're on a plane, we still look at the wing, just to make sure <sighs> yeah, there's a man it. on the wing. He's gotten it in. He's gotten it in your head. Yeah, that was also a terrifying. Is this man having a psychotic? Bre- William Shatner. Is mm-hmm. this man having a psychotic breakdown, or is he actually seeing a gremlin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark. What were your uh, your early influences? Um, I remember the first one that really scared the pants off me was The Exorcist because I didn't believe that a movie that was as old as I was. Um, right. Had, uh, any effect. It made in 1971. I was like, I, how scary could this be? And it terrified. I was similarly way too cocky going into my first official viewing of The Exorcist. It was on TV when when we were living in Calif- Northern California, and me and my brother and sister, we were too young to get it. So all we saw was this girl in bed throwing up and cussing, and we thought it was awesome. We thought it was hilarious. Like, yeah, she's giving it to her mom. And then <laughs> I, and, but then I, in fifth grade, like we rented a slumber party and watched it, and I didn't sleep well, no. probably to this day after that. I mean, that movie affected me. Very much so. Um, Evil Dead 2 was huge for me. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the OG. And I think The Thing. The Thing might be mm-hmm. my favorite so horror movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's the so practical great. effects. All the practical effects and just the, the patience that it has, the amount of time that it takes. And it's it's lulling you into it. It's it's hypnotizing you into the, mm-hmm. the narrative of the movie. And then when everything goes wrong, it's uh, it's phenomenal. And then it's got maybe my favorite last scene of a movie ever mm-hmm. where, like, not going to spoil, you know, 30-year-old 30, movie. Yeah. But, um, but it's, you know, one of these guys mm-hmm. is probably infected and you don't know who and you don't know when. Um, is, is it over or is it not? And I just, I love that to death. And it's getting into peak Kurt Russell, which is... That- peak Kurt Russell, John Carpenter, again, you know, the yep. master. Um, yeah, but I was I was a big 80s horror kid mm-hmm. and then sort of fell off in like the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, I used to love staying up late with my sister watching like USA Up All Night and stuff like that where they would start running horror movies and not necessarily good ones, but you would have horror movies like The Killer Baby from It's Alive <laughs> and you like your your Christine's which is which is a really cool premise for a horror movie based right. on the Stephen King and and then you also had The Exorcist which by the way, I don't know how much y'all are aware of this because I had no idea this was the thing that was happening, but when I was at CinemaCon, they ran a little trailer for Exorcist. I can't remember the subtitle of it, but it's like a Blumhouse thing, and holy God. It's going to do things to me, again. 
It's gonna. I'm gonna need to borrow Molly for those nights <laughs> when I get home from seeing The Exorcist because it is gonna scare the crap out of me. Mark, I'm curious if you and I totally get falling off in the '90s. I don't know if we have as many hits as the '80s did, but did mm. you c- kind of come back with Scream, or were you like, nah, I was you were past that? I mean, I, I watched the Screams and like I know what you. Well, did I'm talking last about summer. the first Scream. Yes, different I've seen than the all first the other Screams. I've seen the first two Screams and then it just got silly for me. Um, I think the last horror movie that I saw in a theater was The Ring. Yeah, um, solid, great theater experience. Which is yeah, it was amazing. And then then it became like I it got torturous for me. I don't. Yeah, it, it yes. I, I the mm-hmm. the it became torture porn. Yeah, as it a was. Thing, and it became like I just didn't relish that feeling. Mm. It, it the it got so manipulative. Like jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. I don't want the jump scare. <laughs> like I want I want the existential scare. That's yeah. what like 80s and 90s hard did for me because they didn't have a lot of the tools. So it became here's the you know implacable, unstoppable bad guy. Here's a dude who can get into your dreams. Like that mm-hmm. became the thing that just monkeyed with my head in ways that I didn't need gore and and jolts yeah. to get. Um, and then I think the last one that I really kind of dug into was Cabin in the Woods because mm. it's it's both. It functions as horror, but then it's something else completely different. Throws everything at you. Throws everything at I you. I love that elevator opening scene oh, in so Cabin great. in the Woods where it's just everything you've ever been scared of just yeah. ding. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put The Strangers up there too. With, with, with a movie like post-2000 that felt like one of the classic thrillers where it's just this couple in this remote area and that trailer sold it so well. Just a dude with, with burlap on his head just peeking in and then peeking back out. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that movie's scary as hell. Yeah, I like funny games. Like Michael Haneck is funny Creep, games. Yeah. But it's it becomes, it's about like just invading your space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a home invasion movie. And the unknowability of why people are doing the things that they're doing. Like that's the stuff that's so frightening to me that I don't need, you know, the the mirror closing and the bad guy. But look, ah! <laughs> that's, that's not what horror does for me. I do think in the aughts it did take this turn, which I equate to Saw, which I do mm. think Saw was very smart and innovative. But then there were so many copycats of it that it, was, it, it did turn into this torture porn that I just didn't excite. Like I just couldn't stomach it. And it also wasn't the horror that I grew up with and enjoyed. Yeah. And like, like the hostile movies hostile, and, yeah. and, and, and stuff like Green Room, like. I understand the appeal of House of Wax, of it. I think, was mm. also another, like, kind of torturous. And and honestly, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in there. It is. Yeah, I mean, I, I was never a Texas Chainsaw guy. Like, yeah. I just never needed it. And uh, and so I prefer the more, I think, the more psychological stuff. Yeah. That's why Freddy Krueger is so cool, because, like, there's no real defense. Like, mm-hmm. the whole thing about Freddy is that he preys on you when you are defenseless. Mm-hmm. You're literally asleep. And so you got to be very creative if you want to get out of that mess. And I'm, I'm just wondering for you two... Is there a way to still revive these properties that make sense, or do we just leave them buried, which is the hardest thing to do in horror and in the movies themselves because the bad guys always come back? But, mm. you know, I mean, Halloween, if nothing else, the most recent trilogy was successful, and I think people have their opinions on the individual films. It seems like you always run into somebody who who likes one of them. It might not be the same one that you like, but they like at least one of these new movies. But is there room for another reboot of Friday the 13th or another Nightmare on Elm Street or is it just really time to just move on to something else? I'm going to tell you yes, because there will always be, they're going to keep rebooting these. <laughs> we'll have a Scream 8 or whatever. The Screams um, look like they're not running out of steam anytime no, soon. No, but I do think horror is the one place that you can actually break new IP. Because I think people yeah. are always hungry 
for horror. I think it's one of the best places for new filmmakers and newer writers to really get in there. Um, we saw that with It Follows, with The Babadook, with like, you know, I think people are just excited for, I think people will show up for horror. And or, I think you really yeah. can't go wrong. Uh, Ma was another one. Or in Pelly with, uh, with Paranormal Activity. And Paranormal we're also activity proving you can make these movies and not necessarily franchise. have them be expensive to make. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the Blumhouse model, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to make it for $3 million mm -hmm. and then we'll make 15 in the theater. That's how horror always used to work. And that's how, for the most part, Hollywood used to work, which is, here's our here's our, our metric. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and horror will always pull an audience Yes. Horror will always perform. Um, no matter what social time you're in, the horror of it is still there's something to be scared of. Um, I think I I agree that like we're never going to get away from the IP of it just because that's the world we live in. But I think like finding people who can do like The Invisible Man, I thought was a really smart mm, remake. Yeah. In that it's divorced almost entirely from what the original was, except for the name, but it's updated it's modernized it's it makes you afraid of a thing that we currently have now as opposed to a guy who i've taken this potion that's making me invisible i'm going to do naughty things <laughs> while i'm invisible yeah um and with lee one i think it was also a film that you can make free of the pressure of rebooting an entire universe like what the dark universe right. was going to be where you don't have to have this one movie with Tom Cruise and a mummy be so super beloved that you can launch an entire franchise on it. Just make a cool individual horror movie and see what happens. Yeah. I did want to say our friend, Akela Cooper, wrote Malignant yeah. and Megan, which mm -hmm. I'm sure those are, have launched franchises uh, mm -hmm. just with how well they did. Mm -hmm. So... I oh, I do think horror is is one of the few places that you can you can break into. And speaking of the Halloween movies, David Gordon Green doing those. He is the director of The Exorcist Believer. Is uh, mm. what producer Brian has updated me on. So I think that comes out this fall. And uh, again, the the footage that we saw at CinemaCon. I was watching the Flash movie like later in the day, but I was still just thinking about the. I will the take Exorcist. your word for it. Oh, good <laughs> lord, scare the crap out of me. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, I do want to. I, I want to make a very, very hard pivot. Oh my God! This entire one eighty or ninety degrees, however hard this Fast and Furious turn is, because uh, a little wizard behind the curtain. We're taping this before, but as of the airing of this, producer Brian's got married. Aww. Hey, Aww. he got married. Hey. I'm told the ceremony was lovely. The <laughs> reverend was hit, hit or miss, but everybody else was great and I'll be performing it. So uh, I want to ask y'all your best wedding scenes in movies. What's the best wedding that you've seen in a film? I will set the bar okay. and start the bidding at 
Spaceballs. Great wedding because there's kind of like the wedding that was supposed to happen then doesn't. Then we do get married at the end. We do the super, super short version. Do you? Do you? Okay, you're married. Mm, great, nice. great bit. Uh, I think that the the wedding that I that I like the most in movies, I think, is in Crazy Rich Asians. Like, I kind of love that mm. wedding sequence. Mm -hmm. I think with, like, the water on the ground and the lilies and the, mm -hmm. you know— Rich people weddings are the best weddings. <laughs> and um, that's slightly more of a wedding film than Spaceballs. A little bit. A little bit. But also, I think my favorite is Princess Bride. Mamawe yeah, is what brings us together. Have you, have you performed a wedding? I or, never have. Okay, Nobody so, was stupid enough to ask me to do um, so. It gets into your head. Because really? I've done a few of them now. And when you say, because you say the word marriage a couple times. And luckily, I didn't grow up really with the Princess Bride for whatever reason. I've seen it a couple of times. I respect mm. it. I know there's, it's got its legion of fans. But it's hard to have marriage in your head <laughs> and still say marriage. I guess it's good that it's such a popular movie, Danny. So even if I slipped and said marriage, people would think Laugh. I'm making a joke, like yeah. making a reference. Yeah. But I wasn't. I just, it's just in your head. So I would deep. push you down the altar. <laughs> <laughs> if you were my You my, did what? My priest. What is uh what what is your your wedding movie? Is there a dream wedding sequence you saw? Um, you know, the thing that just keeps coming up is Wedding Crashers, which I guess came out oh, around yeah. the time that we were like that Transformers. 2005, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, right yeah. around there. So all of those are like in this special little <laughs> area of my semi-youth. <laughs> when you're um, like, oh, this is what it'll be like to be a, a fully fledged adult. Bradley Cooper being like a POS. Such a dick. Yeah. And then he sort of plays the same version of that character in The Hangover, but he's a little more likable, mm -hmm. even though he's still got that douchey quality to him. And then from there, he just became one of the biggest stars on the planet. Rightfully so. He's great. Right. And then I think he internalized a lot of that for Rocket. Mm -hmm. That's basically yeah. Rocket Raccoon is a piece of crap. Is that punk rich guy from uh, from from Wedding Crash? I mean, he's just like a dick. Mm -hmm. If Rocket had collars, they'd be <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, Wedding Crashers was so much fun, and I actually found out in like filming something else that. Um, the whole they had in their script the thing about the I, I, every time I think of eye drops, I think of how he got diarrhea. But you can actually like really harm someone doing that. So don't do that ever. Same with uh, Dumb and Dumber. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did they do that in Dumb and Dumber? He pours too? a lot for fast, effective relief. Okay. When, when Jeff Daniels has the poop scene, it's because Jim Carrey poisoned it because he knew that he was going out with, yeah. uh, you know, what's Lauren her face? Holly. Don't do yeah. that. Someone could end up in the hospital. I yes, just don't do say. anything you've ever seen in a movie yes, ever. Yes, please. Especially Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah. There's like nothing you should actually try in Dumb and Dumber. No. If your friend is allergic to hot pepper or even somebody, that, if somebody kidnapped you and they're allergic to hot pepper, I guess do what you will. But they, they poison the guy and he ends up dying because they also mm -hmm. give him rat poison instead of his pills. So. I do have to say I do sometimes pet Molly and say, pretty bird. <laughs> pretty bird. You sold the bird to the blind kid. His, his head fell off. Pretty bird. <laughs> Our pet's heads are falling off here at Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that's going to uh, do it for this episode of After Dark, just about. But before we say goodnight, uh, I want to get another update on everything in Mark and Danny's world. So, Danny, why don't you step oh. up to the plate first here? We My know God. we got in the static. I think it just premiered yes. at Walif, the yeah. Latino Film oh, Festival. You look great on the carpet. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. And Out here. We also got into Essence Fest, so we'll be there in New Orleans. In New Orleans. For all of our New Orleans uh, listeners out there. Oh, I might have to make that trip. I know. Once you I have a beignet. I love it. Oh, man. 
I actually walked around by myself and ate all like oysters at every bar. Like I would go mm-hmm. because my friends were busy filming out there. It's big production. A lot mm-hmm. of like productions are happening. So and- whereas like most most people go to like uh, go to downtown New Orleans and they like get a beer at each bar. You were getting an oyster. Yeah. So shops. that I could sit and like get water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was last year, by the way. So this. Um, but yeah, I would like go. I would get like half a dozen oysters. So like. And then I would go and then I'd walk around for another few hours and then I would sit at a bar and I'd order their oysters because I wanted to taste all the different ones. I got to look up the hotel. There's a famous haunted hotel that I stayed there. I didn't realize that it was a famous haunted hotel when I was staying there. This is after the fact, but I'll never forget. I was in the lobby and me and my friend uh, Eliza, we we were doing a a stand up show at a theater there. We get to the hotel, get checked in, walk into the elevators huge portrait, like an old French portrait, and the person in the paint looked exactly like me. Exactly. There's only nine faces in the world. It looked exactly like me, and it just kind of freaked me out, and it is now one of the, like, reputed most haunted hotels, so I'll let you know which hotel it is, should you want to or want to not stay there and be haunted by 15th century. Did did uh, you stay in the room? Uh, I don't, I stayed in a very nice room and like, that's the one hotel where you actually don't want to stay in the nicest room because that's probably where all the like rich dead people are haunting it. Mm, um, nice. but it was, uh, it, it would not a lot of sleep was had that night. I'll say Fair that. Enough. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Bernard, and you also yes. have a short splinter about the piece of allspark that Sam Woodwicky had recovered. <laughs> yes. Not about a giant rat who teaches turtles how to do Kung Fu. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'll be at Chattanooga at the Chattanooga Film Fest. Um, I will be at Comic-Con mm-hmm. um, showing it off there on, on a panel with hopefully some of my cast and members of my crew. And uh, and yeah, it's super exciting. It's fun. That's so cool. Keep us posted here at uh, RT is Wrong when you know the exact date of when it's planned so I can relay it to all the kids out there because uh, I want to go check it out too. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be down there at Comic-Con. Danny, I imagine you, you're, you're always a sought-after uh, panelist down there i'm sure i'll i'll be there yeah i I got it my stand-up show is on thursday of comic-con at american comedy company 8 p.m um and you can get tickets at markellis.live my special should be dropping a little earlier in july so i gotta start writing some new gotta start writing some new material (laughs) that's right i think last year it may happen this year as well I do a live uh, Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith, and it always seems to be counter-programming <laughs> with Mark Ellis. So not that you have to choose, world, wow. but you have to choose. Well, I was gonna, just going to say, make sure Splinter isn't premiering at the time I stand up show, because I want to go check that out. Yeah, it'll then, be during the day. Yeah. It'll be during oh, there the you day. Go. All right, so once Fat Man Beyond Live is sold out, come on over to the stand-up show. <laughs> I'm sure we'll both sell out. There's a lot of our, a lot lot of of our people down there, and I'm sure we'll bump into each other at the parties and all that good stuff. So uh, best of luck, and thank you all for uh, all all the great work you're doing representing the WGA out there on the picket line. When you're driving by in SoCal, you see uh, all those lovely picketers out there. Give them a honk. Give them your support. Um, it's uh, it's uh, you know certainly a stressful time, but it's impressive to see how much fun the WGA is making with different theme days. They had a singles day. Singles day. A couple weeks ago. Superhero day. There was a horror day at the Sony lot. There's yeah. There's sort of the affinity groups. So there was like black writers at Paramount and Latino writers over here. Like it's, Kind of all over and everywhere, and it's wonderful until it will stop being wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it will stop being wonderful. Well, until we all run out of gas. Keep putting those good vibes out there in the world. That is Mark Bernardin and Danny Fernandez. For the whole crew here, including my incredible co-host Jacqueline Coley, I am merely Mark Ellis. Go to RottenTomatoes.com for all the latest in the world of TV, movies, and everything in between. And do we know what movie we're doing next week? We do not know. It's a mystery. So stay tuned here from all of us to all of you at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong.